APRA acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and the continuing connection to lands, waters and communities. We pay our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Taking Care, a podcast of APRA and the National Boards. I'm Tash Miles. We're all negotiating our lives amidst a pandemic, and each of us has a unique story of ups, downs, and the in-betweens. In this episode, we're hearing stories from certain health practitioners who share snippets of their experiences over the past 18 months, what they've learned, what they've cherished, and the strange turns their lives are taking. Let's meet Dr. Gavin Wayne, a paediatric basic trainee. Welcome, Gavin. Thank you very much, Tash. My name is Gavin Wayne. I'm a doctor from the state of Victoria. Um, and I am a paediatric junior doctor. What that means is I am one of those uh, sort of doctors at the coalface very early on in my training, who is both working full-time but also studying at the same time. Fantastic. Well, thank you for um, making the time to speak with us. It sounds like you have an extremely busy life. (laughs) Um, And speaking of your life, what were you doing work-wise before the pandemic started? I'm now three years out of medical school. So in 2019 was my first year as a doctor, and that was my internship, as we talk about. And that was my first year of doctoring and really my only year of doctoring that was effectively normal. You know, I was off in adult land, seeing adult patients, not wearing masks, not worried about COVID, had vaguely heard of such a thing called a coronavirus about historical SARS infections. But, you know, my day was fairly normal. You know, I would like to think that I had a normal you know, holistic internship experience. Um, And then, of course, 2020 rolled around. And I I distinctly remember when I first heard of COVID, and that was the start of 2020 when I was on a rural rotation in Victoria, so actually outside of the city. And it was interesting in that space because I remember first hearing about it as China as this, you know, sort of vague sort of thing in the periphery and then all of a sudden it was in Australia but only in our cities and it was like well that's that's a city sort of problem and being in a small rural town it was quite disconnected in many ways and then all of a sudden you rotate back to the city and hello here we go you know all the things are happening. So can you tell us um, what it's been like this past kind of 18 months since the pandemic has arrived and what that's mean for your what's that meant for your day-to-day work i work in pediatrics so i'm going to bring a pediatric you know sort of um, bent, bent to this but a big part of pediatrics is your ability to connect with a child you know your ability to use facial expression and communication for these young children either to put them at ease or to gather information and when half of your face is covered with every interaction that you go with them it is a lot more difficult to put them at ease. It's hard to build trust. It's hard to make connection. It's hard to make inferences a lot of time as well. So there's there's little things like that that is really hard. What are some of the ways that you've successfully made connection with your like young patients, um, despite the fact that you're wearing a mask and you can't kind of resort to the usual kind of ways of... um, creating connection and a sense of comfort in a really scary place, really. Absolutely. And and I, and I don't blame a lot of kids, but the, a lot of the little kids, they see this giant blue shape walking towards them every few hours. And they don't know if this giant blue shape is going to, you know, give them some food or if they're going to do some obs or if they're going to stick them with something sharp. So it's, it's a really difficult area to work in. 
as to how you deal with that, I think a lot of us have vastly improved our expressiveness with our eyebrows and our eyes. I'd like to think a lot of people have worked on that. Um, I didn't necessarily think that I could be more expressive with my eyebrows before, but I think that I have reached new levels from that side of things. But it's that, but it's also, I think it puts a lot more burden onto your, your nonverbal communication skills, being much more aware of how imposing you look in this big monolithic gown, you know, really making sure you're getting down to connect with them and being very conscious of how you're saying things in your body language as well. But, and, but that's also one of the things that's really challenging because in paediatrics, we would usually use toys or bright colours or fun scrubs. All of that's gone out with the baby in the bathwater. You know, I used to carry around bubble mixtures to, you know, blow with children to, you know, distract them when we're doing procedures. Obviously, can't do that anymore. There's, there's so many little things that makes it a lot more challenging, but particularly for the paediatric space, it makes hospitals a lot more imposing for the children that we have to treat. How has it been for you personally? Like, so coming home from a day of work that's like that, how have you taken care of yourself? Coming home from work is, is always hard. Um, I will start by saying paediatrics has been relatively sheltered from a lot of the worst sort of things that's come through as a, as a result of COVID, you know. I haven't been redeployed. I haven't been put on the front line. I'm not manning ventilators. My rotations haven't been cancelled. You know, so there's a lot of things that hasn't necessarily trickled down to paediatrics, um, which is not to say that COVID hasn't affected paediatrics. On a broad sort of level, how it's affected me, you know, work is very draining. Um, but it's, I think what's most challenging for a lot of healthcare professionals is the idea of what you could bring home from work with you. You know, you get home, you take your clothes off, you try to put your clothes in one particular place that's not touching everything else. You put it, you're washing it every day. You've got a big bottle of bleach. You're making sure you're going straight to the shower to wash everything. And then you go, oh my gosh, what did I trade in on my shoes? What did I bring in on my clothes? What are all the things I took to hospital? And I think as an extent of that, at least for me, and I think for a lot of people as well, We've largely been operating under the, under the assumption for the last 18 months that we're very high-risk people and therefore we should be very careful about where we go, which I think is very challenging when we talk about. You know, if I go to the supermarket, I'm thinking, one, oh, dear gosh, if I'm picked up something from work, I'm going to be the start of patient zero of this particular outbreak and I don't want to do that. That's really challenging. But then as a secondary point, it's also the idea of, if I do get infected, what is the impact in terms of my colleagues and my workplace in terms of me not being able to go to work and me not being furloughed as well? Have you dealt with patients who have had COVID? Have you had any really experience which is like, wow, this is, this is the um, pandemic world that I live in that have really kind of um, thrown it home for you? I, I, love, I love in a very Australian way, which I really enjoy. But we always love to shorten things. I think, I think that that's the Australian way in some sort of ways. And I love that we've constructed this concept of SCOVID, which is suspected COVID. So you can kind of put your patients into different buckets of this is a person who has what we would colloquially refer to as SCOVID, being somebody who's suspected to have it, that might have a swab that's pending, versus those that are COVID positive. 
I'd say the vast majority of patients I've dealt with have been in this COVID bucket, which is a challenging area to deal with because these are people that meet criteria for swapping that you need to treat as if they do have COVID and you need to, and that's one of the things about healthcare in the current setting that's very difficult. As soon as you have the slightest inkling that somebody could, you need to treat them as if they are until proven otherwise. So that's really difficult. So you're treating a lot of people as if they do have COVID who then don't end up having COVID. And when I say do have COVID, I'm not talking about special treatments. I'm talking about they're isolated and you're wearing PPE. So it's more about how they're being nursed and cared for from that perspective. So, which means that if you're working in a particular streaming area, a large number of your patients might meet this criteria. So you're spending a lot of time in PPE. You're spending a lot of your time trying to minimize movement within the hospital. And then in the other sort of end of the spectrum, you have those that are confirmed COVID. So, which I've cared for a number of as well. Um, and they can range from being quite well, who just happen to be in hospital for another reason, all the way to being quite unwell from COVID and everything in between. And I think it makes everything a lot more challenging because people with COVID don't always just have COVID. They still have other medical needs. And one of the things that I think we've learned at the coalface throughout this pandemic that's really challenging is that when somebody has COVID or suspected with COVID, we can sometimes be at a risk of blinders, of kind of forgetting what else is kind of going on and kind of fixating on this idea that COVID reigns supreme. I think one of the things we're learning to try to do better is to not lose the person and their other medical issues and their other social issues amongst the blinders of COVID. Could you talk to us about um, whether it's, uh, I imagine it is a stressful experience for people who have COVID or who are there with family members who have COVID? Because it's not just about how unwell you are in terms of the virus, but it's also how you're dealing with it mentally and psychologically as a patient or as a support person. I think one of the underappreciated aspects of this has been the psychological effect and stigma that is associated with people that have had it. You know, being the kid at a school who becomes positive, normally in medical practice and in normal medical function, you have the concept of privacy. The idea of you're suffering from a particular condition, that's a, you are entitled to keep that private and you are entitled to have your privacy and not be named either publicly in the media, as we've seen with some doctors in some outbreaks previously, or names through gossip and the grapevine. And I've personally seen cases as well as had anecdotal cases reported to me of people that have been positive and might have transmitted at a particular outbreak site and a lot of their friends and their confidants and their acquaintances and the wider community that they live in, becoming aware of that in a very quick way. And that causing a lot of stress. It's, it's really interesting. You have, you have sort of casual conversations with people that you work with. And a lot of people talk about their greatest fear is infecting other people. One, because they don't want to infect other people. But two, they don't want to be the person who's being talked about on the news as doctor at X hospital infects patients, you know, 
nurse at centre of outbreak at there. Your name, like your name might not be in the news, but it might be, it might be out there on social media and that might or rightly or wrongly be you that's identified, but it's really challenging. What message would you give to the public and, and, and to practitioners about um, how to stay safe and well and continue to weather this pandemic? I think the general lines that I would say for the general public would be the same things that we've been learning and been talking about for the last you know, 18 months, you know, that social distancing works, masks work, alcohol in your hands and not in your tummy does work and is effective. Um, and that doing all of those simple things cumulatively does help a lot in the face of this. Yes, you might not be able to go see people the way that you would normally do and be able to fill up your cup, so to speak, but you should try to replace that. You should try to alter that, whether that's, you know, Zooms with friends, games on Zoom, however you can, a hobby, stay active where you can, give yourself permission to leave the house and, you know, use your exercise time that you're allowed to. All of those things are important, you know. Try not to drink too much. Don't eat Uber Eats every night and do whatever, do the best that you can from that side of things. So thank you again, uh, Gavin, for your insights and your stories and for joining us today. Thank you, Tash. It's a pleasure to be here. And now we're welcoming Ralph Teodoro, a registered nurse in Victoria. Ralph, could you introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself? Hey Tash, thanks for having me. Um, my name's Ralph, born and raised in the UAE, now living in um, beautiful Melbourne. Um, I'm a third culture kid and uh, 20, I'm 23. I'm a registered nurse uh, working on the front lines of COVID and um, currently in rural and regional Victoria. I've mainly worked in these um, residential aged care facilities over the past uh, two years and um, COVID testing, COVID hospital wards and community nursing. Um, most recently, I was the deputy team leader heading a COVID-19 aged care task force. So can you tell us about the work that you were doing before the pandemic? Prior to the pandemic, I was uh, working mostly in the education sector. I had a lot of exposure into international student leadership, uh, student governance and public policy. And now um, I'm working on the front lines of uh, the pandemic. I've definitely built the foundation of my young career over the past 18 months. Um, but it's safe to say that since uh, the start of COVID uh, and me moving into uh, nursing and, and healthcare from education, quite a lot has changed, you know, with the way we work, um, shop, socialize. And to put it all into perspective, you know, just the jump from education to healthcare, uh, I've noticed that, you know, we've been so much more reliant on technology and and i've just really noticed um being able to put uh, a human and face value to um to, to people and, and not just seeing them as, as numbers on a data spreadsheet could you tell us what it's like for your workforce you're a registered nurse what's it like for you working in a healthcare setting during a global pandemic i think forwards to sum it up would be hectic uh extraordinary vicious and fulfilling hectic because shift work's terrible um you know when i first started shift work doing late earlies and, and double shifts and it really takes a toll on your body and you know from not drinking enough water to not going to the toilet enough because maybe you're in full ppe and um the, you know work's too busy and uh you, you just take for granted that you need to rehydrate. And of course, with all these PPE, like masks and, and um, face shields and things, you have to 
do the needful to be able to have a quick sip of water. Otherwise, you know, you, you end up compromising yourself. When I prepare myself uh, for a day, mentally, I go through what I need to do and what I, I may or may not experience through the day. It's just so I'm, I'm mentally prepared. But as soon as I get into work, I think the most important thing is just to have a, a really good handover. And from there, it's just functional nursing. So Ralph, what was it like turning up to a changed workplace? How did the aged care facility that you were working at change as a result of the pandemic? Look, when when I first uh, worked in in hospitals and aged care facilities, you you had to do the the necessary you know hand hygiene, and um, you, you had to pretty much keep yourself clean at all times and make sure that your um, space is clean when you are nursing and um, it is hygienic and um, it's safe to work with. But when COVID and the pandemic came, that changed a tenfold because I, I often compare this and I tell this to all my friends that when I first started started nursing in, in aged care homes and um, when COVID was uh, still in its very early initial stages, the the feeling for me was that I almost I almost felt like I was getting sent into a war zone. Yeah, I mean, COVID has had well, a, a monumental effect on society and, of course, on the healthcare system. So speaking of the healthcare system, Ralph, what's it been like? Have you treated any patients with COVID? Yes, yes. I um, From aged care facilities all the way to, uh, you know, the, the private hospitals that have um, become, uh, that have treated patients specifically with COVID just because there was a lot of shortage in, in beds um, in hospitals and in main public hospitals. Um, I worked in, in private hospitals for a time and uh, what I did see was even though there was appropriate staffing and um, a PPE, it was there, there was a lot of stress and, and pressure put onto the nurses that I was working with because it's very taxing for one to be to be put in the shoes of a family member, you know, to, to act in a family member's capacity because they're not allowed to visit and see their loved ones, you know, at a time that that they're the most vulnerable in a time there that they can't really see them because of the potential spread of the virus. How, when you're seeing and experiencing difficult things like this, how are you taking care of yourself? How are you managing your well-being? My friends have become my family during this time. The 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 amount of um, times they've supported me and they've they've told me, you know, if there's anything you need, we're here. They've they've sent me care packages when I was deployed, and I check back in my fa- with my family every night. Um, and they're overseas, you know, but. Right before I start a shift and right after I end a shift, I call my mom and, and my dad. And, you know, I just I just talk to them about how my day is going. And speaking of your friends and family, how have they uh, if they have been affected by the work that you do as a nurse in the middle of a pandemic? My my friends and family have been supportive just because I don't have many friends in the healthcare field, particularly. I've been away from my family for the past seven years, and um, I I have been talking to my family um, in the past seven years. But when the pandemic started, I was always I, I remember I was always checking up on them, and I was always trying to support them, saying, "Hey, take your vitamins. Hey, like watch watch where you go, watch what um, you touch, and uh, wash your hands, and you know just just keep yourself safe and and as physically healthy as possible. And when the vaccine came, I was like, you know what, um, mom, dad, please, please get that vaccine. Great. Um, and so to wrap up, Ralph, is there anything more that you'd like to add another message that you'd like to give to people about staying safe 
during this time? Yeah, I, look, we're still living in very uncertain times. So absurd times call for absurd amounts of love. So please be patient. Protect yourself at all times, physically and mentally. Do what you can to stop the spread because lockdowns affected all of us. And watch out for your family and friends and colleagues. Be kind to one another and, and look out for each other. I think that's that's what I would like to say. That's wonderful. Thank you, Ralph, for joining us. Thank you, Nikash. Really appreciate it.